this is class number five, class number five of the seven golden ring series. So we're excited about this. Class number five on this one is maintain emotional strength, okay? And so there's a couple things I want to go over just, just to uh, remind everybody where we're at on this. Again, this is uh, copyrighted through the Positive Masculinity Crusade PMC 2020. Uh, joined here again, Ragnar, I think you're out there, uh, Abednego. Yep. And uh, I want to let you know right up front what we've got. We've got our uh, T-shirts that we've got on here, uh, or some of us do. You know, some of the real members out here, Abednego. Come on now. Um, we did have some thongs printed up with this, but Abednego didn't want to, he didn't really want to get into that, I guess. So, um, I think there was a chafing, there was a chafing concern there. Maybe <laughs> we got some issues on comfort. Um, but what we've got, we're going to get into What's this. That say? I can't see. Oh, there you go. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, there you go. There he's so creative. He, he's so creative. <laughs> he's, he's special. He's special. He's um, special, man. A couple of things yeah. on this. Now, uh, I want to remind you too, cause this is going to go up on YouTube here pretty soon. Uh, if you would, uh, click on the subscribe button, and uh, that way you can follow us along when we get our new stuff published. You can go; it'll uh, send you a nice reminder. Uh, on these shirts, we'll get into this in a minute, but just so you just so you know, so you don't have to take up any more RAM wondering what our shirts are. It's you and a triangle, and then another you. That's that the middle one, Delta. You Delta you. That middle one is an international symbol for change. Okay, you see that in uh, chemical formulas a lot, uh, Ragnar. You'll be familiar with that. Yep. And so we just call it you change you and it's tremendous imagery about people who what we're talking about today is head trip items, emotional strength. And so we're going to put away for a while the wild bedroom talk and how to date and vet people out. And we're going to, that will still be showing up at different times in here. I'm sure. Um, when we talk about some of the AB stuff that we looked at alpha beta, Okay. And how to maintain that on the plus two. Uh, that's something we probably need to do also. And I'll, I'll talk to you guys about that another time. But again, seven golden rings, class number five. Uh, this one, maintain emotional strength. I want to just real quick, take about 30 seconds here and just review what we've been doing. Class number one was alpha rules all. Okay. And on that one, just really talking about standing up for your male leadership on that. Number two class was the unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin is to be boring. And that's something we developed for quite a while, a little bit over two hours. Don't be boring in your relationships. That's when people start wandering off and finding other people to get involved with emotionally, sexually, or however they do that. Um, class number three, this class three and four was a two-part deal, really. This double-sided coin of hypergamy was the undercurrent on that's what that is. But class number three, we call it the irrefutable law, and that is to keep the bears away, provide security on that, which is your sexual attraction side. And class number four, we did last week, the number two irrefutable law, keep bread on the table. That's your provider side. So the two-sided coin of hypergamy on that. And we're going to go into a different area here. It's something that's near and dear to all of us for different reasons, for different reasons, people. And, and it'll mean something to all of you. And we've got a lot of, we have a lot of other shows um, that, that we put together that we'll be doing, will be coming to you in other times, um, some one-off series. Uh, but this one, maintain, class number five, maintain emotional strength. And really, there's two things I want to bring up front here, just because I think it kind of... Uh, sets a tone for where we're going to go today. There's two really different kinds of things that overarching 
as a male, we, we really look at, and I, and I think it's important to, to just to make sure we're on the same page when we start out this discussion. In class number one of Vednego, remember, that was called Alpha Rules All. And this topic came up here, Ragnar, about maintain frame. And we talked about that a little bit. And, but we were still talking about that overall also. But today, emotional strength, it's a lot of head trip stuff. Okay, getting your head squared away. And there's two things really that I think need to be brought up here on this. And um, I'm going to go to you, Abednego, on this one. There's two things really. Maintain frame, which talks about exterior side. Okay. And the other part of it internally. Okay. Internally, I think it's just a really important thing too on that. So there's there's really two sides of where we're, where we're trying to go on this. Um, when you talk about state control, state control is internal, frame is external. Okay. And so these are some terms that uh, we've been working with for quite a while. Um, ben, I'll just have you comment on those overall terms and what you've seen locally in our guys and the development of the mental fortitude with our guys. If you could just start us off with that real quickly before we get into everything. Well, uh, I think the biggest thing that I see is that you, you really have to have it inside before you can come outside, you know? And so um, you got to work on that internal on the state control um, stuff. Uh, then when it comes to the out, when you're, when you're dealing with external things, um, it, it's more of a natural thing. Uh, otherwise, otherwise it's something you got to think about all the time. Like what's my frame and is, is, is she trying to come into my frame or am I trying to go into her frame? Um, when you have the state control stuff, when you have the internal side, the head trip stuff, uh, ironed out, um, it seems to play nicely with the with the maintaining your frame and the, and the external side, and so it's really hard to work out the other way around. Um, I find that it's that it's best. Uh, what I've seen is to work on the on the head game first, and and then that kind of comes out in the in the externals. Yeah, it's um, you know, because again, I want to say there's an inside game in an outside game okay um i'll kind of come back to you ragnar on this one of the things that's really helped helped and i'm going to keep taking notes on here um as as we go and i'm going to mute this for a little bit as we go i'm still here but i don't want everybody hearing all the time this uh, pin banging on my screen here so if you see me mute sometimes um uh, that's what that kind of is um we have one of the one of the triggers we use is we have a lot of mental imagery we have a lot of psychological triggers we call them psych triggers that we use ragnar that we've developed and one of the ones that we use for state state control right we call the three knobs of straight control the three knobs of state control and um this is something that really can keep it top of mind if you can kind of go over those um, initially, that'll that'll springboard us into some other conversations where we want to go today, Ragnar, on the three knobs of state control. Yeah, the first time I ever really got into this was years ago, uh, Tony Robbins' book, Unlimited Power, and he got it from the NLP uh, programming from a couple of mathematicians that, that kind of put together NLP back in the 70s. But um, you know, your mental, emotional state, neurological state, 
is uh, is what it is. And so the three knobs are one is uh, focus. What are you focusing on? Uh, you know, it goes back to the classic cliche: uh, glass half empty, glass half full. The second thing, the second knob is the story. What are you telling yourself about what you're focusing on? Um, because whatever it is, the event or the object or the person, that that it is that that's what it is. Any kind of emotional variance you have about that situation is the story. You're, it comes from the story you're telling yourself about that thing. And so the story you label the story in your head as bad or good. That's that's in your head that you're doing that. So that's the story. So you have the thing you're focusing on, the story you're telling yourself about what you're focusing on, either good or bad or neutral. And then your physiology basically is. Are you, are, you, are you holding your shoulders in a depressed state, or an excited state, a positive state, a negative state? What, your physiology, you're breathing, are you breathing really high in your chest in a very stressed way? Or are you breathing more in your belly in more of a calm and relaxed way? So you're controlling your physiology. And those are three knobs that you can control at any time. In the beginning, it feels like you have no control on that stuff because you've you got years and years of a bad habit where you just kind of reacted to whatever happened around you in whatever state you ended up in. But once you get a little practice with that, you realize you have some space there between stimulus and response that have three knobs in it. And you can turn those knobs and you can get back control and get back centered. Basically, what we talked about last time is the, one of the C's in alpha communication is centered. And um, the three knobs are essential for that. One of the things I think that really helps us, you know, when you, when you brought this up, Ragnar, uh, on, as far as the three knobs, right, they, they help you create some time. Okay. Uh, create time and space, right? Um, between the stimulus and the response, right? And this is a thing that I think if we're not aware about this, okay, um, then what really happens, stimulus, hold on, buddy. I know you like my writing, you know, and response. You know, there's, there's a couple things here that I think because everybody, this can be, this can be on a macro side in your life. It can be on a micro side too. Okay. And I want to put some more stuff up on here. Abednego, macro side, micro side. If you can go on that a little bit about in the stimulus and response, you're coming through your own tough time on this. And if you can find some things there, uh, Abednego to kind of tie that into what you've been through recently. Okay. And then yeah. I'm going to put some of this up there. Go ahead on that. I'll tell you, as you were talking though, you know, I was thinking how, um, you know, the three knobs, those three knobs apply to every single aspect of your life. You use it every day. Um, but if you're not conscious of it and if you don't control it, if you, if you're not controlling those knobs, somebody else is controlling those knobs. They're turning them. Um, you know, I, I've been fortunate to coach a couple very good athletes. Um, and, you know, those are knobs that as a coach, you've got to turn on your athletes. Um, you, you talk about focus and what are you, what are you focused on? And what's your story? What's what? Cause, because they're telling themselves some kind of a story. I can't do it. I don't have it today, whatever that is. And you got to get that out of their head. You got to change your story. You, uh, breathing is a huge thing. Um, you know, I'm like, hey, you're you're breathing way shallow. You're you're fast. It's rapid. It's you need get some deep breaths. Get that belly poked out. Get you know relaxed um, because that's where you're at your best. And so you know, I, I've used it a lot in that aspect. But then 
you know, and stuff that I've been through recently, you know, and in recent months, uh, having major surgery and going through that. And, uh, you know, as you're recovering, you know, your mind plays games with you. And, uh, you know, you've got all this stuff that's running through your mind and, and you can either tell yourself the story that woe is me and I'm going to die and whatever else, or you can tell yourself another story. And, uh, you know, my, my thing that I keep telling people over and over again is you've got to tell yourself a better story. You know, people's lives, they're, you know, they're in the dumper and they're telling themselves bad story after bad story. Like, man, you got to tell yourself a better story. Um, you got a bad story going on. And so, you know, we're, we're not all dealt the best cards. You know, I didn't get dealt some very good cards, but you got to play them anyway. And, uh, and so, you know, you make the best decisions and the best decisions. And a lot of that is the state control stuff. It's what you're telling yourself over and over again, you know, you're going to become, you're going to become the story that you tell yourself over and over. And so it's, you know, it's what you choose to focus on. You're going to focus on the negative. You're going to focus on the positive or what story you're going to tell yourself, you know, are you going to look at yourself every day in the mirror and say, I'm going to get better. We're going to get through this. Or are you going to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this has got me, you know, how many times do you see, and I've seen this happen before where um, you have, uh, maybe a couple that's been together for a really long time and one of them dies and within a week the other one who was seemed relatively healthy they die you know and that is a lot of because they told themselves a story uh that wasn't true and it affected their physiology and everything else and uh really probably led to their to their demise and so you know, that, that to me is, is one of the, one of the biggest things, um, really is, is what, what you're focused on, you know, and in Romans 12, it tells us that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that is simply, that's, it's true. And it's true because, you know, obviously it's scripture, so we believe it to be true, but it's true also because it's exactly what we're talking about with these three knobs. Um, if it's what you focus on, you can renew your mind, you can be transformed, but it's, it's what you focus on. It's the story you tell yourself is physiology. It's all that working together. You're muted. He has a hard it's time with that mute button. <laughs> Man, I really struggle with this mute scenario. One of the things I think that really is a hard thing for people, because let me go back here again. This is important, and I don't, I don't want to diminish this thing. When we talk about, um, when we talk about the three knots, but one of the things that has such an impact on this is something that we control so easily, guys. Okay, and it's really just about sometimes. We run, we run into this all the time, okay, is that you have turned over your veto power to somebody else, okay, or you're, you keep finding yourself in all this pain because the people around you and the, all this chaos they bring to you, okay. So as much as we like to, and it can be, okay, as much as we want to bring this out here and talk about the three knobs, this part about focus, okay, it's so much determined by Obviously, you're the controller of that, or you should be, and you should cultivate that. But what, what are you listening to on the radio, you know? Uh, what are you listening to on your songs? Have you really stopped to listen to those lyrics, really? 
killing cops and raping people and shooting every this is what the lyrics are nowadays okay um so so there's some problems about what we're putting into our head okay ragnar and so what do you what are you you watching on television you know just uh craziness uh cop tv shows everyone's getting busted up all the time or you know protesters or news everything's terrible 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 the end of the world all this and not so that's one thing is about externally what are you pouring into yourself nonstop all the time i mean 24 hours a day you know i mean when was the last time you went five minutes without looking at your phone every minute looking at the phone look at the phone and most of that's some other weird stuff on there about who decided at google or wherever what they're going to put in front of you based on some algorithm out here okay so this focus side is so important and the reason it's so important is because it's set the table for all the other stuff okay it's really hard to have a good story out here when your focus is terrible okay so these are things that really when you talk about a foundation there's a reason we put focus number one okay and going along with that focus number two is this internal narrative that's just totally looping along in your head all the time all the time all the, what, what are you even doing man you know so when you're filled with anxiety and you think you need to have some drug in here to help you control all this deal look we just need to practice better about how and we're going to talk about some monday morning things uh ragnar you're going to get into that uh, later in the show about some monday morning tips for us about what we can do to start to phase out some of these external things that keep talking to us but one of the things i think it's been a founding principle of ours is that you know because I, I, I talked to somebody uh, late last week, right after we were done here, I met four hours with a guy and um, had some really good success. I, honestly, I didn't know if we were ever going to meet, if I was going to ever see him alive again. I, di- I didn't know. Okay. Uh, it was one of those type of deals. And we'll get into that in class seven when we talk about um, shame and things. Um, and so I think what struck him the most was when we started talking about who he's hanging around. And here, one of our guiding principles has always been about, look, who is, who, who's in your top five people? Because you do become the average of all these people you hang around, okay? And, and this, this means we need constant pruning and selectivity. I mean, you just don't let anybody jump into your life and run all over the place in your head, okay? And so this idea about your top five is so important. Um, Ragnar, you can get into this in a second. And, and because one of the things that you said to me some time ago, a while ago, when we were trying to develop a lot of this stuff is, you know, you said, you know, I really don't care about what everybody in the world's thinking. I care about only the people who are going to carry my coffin out of here on my pallbearers. That's all I need to worry about. And there's only six of them. I don't know if Ragnar, if you even remember saying that. Um, but as we talk about this top five concept and how it impacts your focus, and the story, go into that for a little bit here because that's a foundational topic we need to get into. Well, I think especially in modern society with all the media and the Facebook and the Instagram and I mean, in the 24 seven news channels and, and all, I mean, all the talk shows, everybody's got an opinion. And so your subconscious just kind of brings those in and, and, and especially if they say it with conviction, or with some anger, it kind of because of the emotion of it, it goes into your subconscious pretty quickly. And there's very little vetting that goes on consciously with most people. And you don't know what the background is of these people. Do they have a, do they even have a, any kind of uh, 
knowledge about this topic you're talking about? I mean, what's their history? What's their character? Um, what qualifies them to to allow allow you allow them to influence you in that way? I mean, but all of us, we just kind of go through life reacting to everything, and so people, everybody has their opinions. It's in the newspaper. It's all on your your live feed on your phones, 24/7 news, all the talk shows. Everybody's got an opinion. And, uh, you know, you watch the TV shows during the day, the, the Jerry Springer's, the Dr. Phil's, all this deep emotion stuff. And it just starts getting into your, because it's emotional and because they're yelling and fighting and things like that, it gets, it creeps into your subconscious. And it gets in there, starts programming that lizard brain with that negativity. And, and you're letting stuff come in there that you have no idea what the qualifications are, the character of these people that are putting this material into your subconscious. And so it's really tough. You know, there's so much of it nowadays, like you're talking about trying to cut the news off and, and things like that. Uh, but even with your phone, there's so many ads on your phone. There's so many emails and the news feeds and stuff on your phone. It's just hard to get away from all that stuff. And it really requires a tremendous amount of discipline to really block time where you kind of isolate yourself from all that incoming artillery, basically, that mental artillery that's coming in. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. I, I think that is the hardest thing, I think, for the younger generation to Ragnar's because they're all brought up on phones. Okay. I mean, the other day, um, we went through, I'm trying to think who I was with I was at a McDonald's drive through Okay. And looked over in the car next to me. There's some kid. Okay. In a child seat, baby seat, whatever. In the uh, car next to me. And they had a phone. They're playing on this deal. Okay. Now it wasn't, listen, it wasn't one of these Fisher Price pretend there's a real phone. Okay. And there's no way they were four years old. Okay. There's no way. And so it's not, it's not back in the day when they sent us out to the farm to work with grandpa, you know, uh, carry a bunch of feed sacks around and, and take weeds out of the garden. And I mean, it just wasn't, this is not what's going on. So you got a whole generation of people who were raised on this thing and raised to feel like now, now this kind of worked Ragnar back in the, well, you know what, a bit ago, you remember too. Uh, both of you guys kind of have a lot of roots in rural areas. Uh, how many you remember grandpa getting up or grandma and well, how's the day grandpa? I don't know. I got to check the weather. Okay. So it's kind of, it's kind of like that with the younger generation, uh, older generation, they're going to wait and wake up and see what the weather is before they decide what kind of day they're going to have. Okay. Uh, and I know in an agrarian society, weather has a huge impact on things. Okay. But if the weather's terrible, there's always other stuff to do that you set aside for a rainy day. You know, all those projects you had, these are rainy day projects that no one ever got to. Well, there's rain, but no one got to these deals. And with the phones though, internet, Twitter, you know, Instagram, all this stuff. So everybody's got to go get how many different dopamine hits on this before they can know and have their own idea about their own value, their own worth in the thing. Okay. And it's just, it's a tough thing. I think and I'm going to go ahead and finish this thought on here. Well, you I mean, know, on your one second, five. if you can, when, when you yeah. think about, when you think about bad weather, the, the vast majority of these incoming messages from TV, phone, whatever are thunderstorms. And most of the thunderstorms are fake thunderstorms. They're not real. Uh, it's just somebody had an emotional reaction to some cotton candy type topic or whatever. Yeah. So they're really, they're really not real thunderstorms, but your to your subconscious mind, especially if they're coming over with yelling and, and, and negative energy, 
your subconscious thinks they're real life thunderstorms coming at you. And so your, your, your cortisol throughout your bloodstream, your, your, your adrenaline, everything else is your norepinephrine and epinephrine is just pumping through your, your veins. And it's doing tremendous damage to your cardiovascular system and your physiology, long-term damage to that. Also, your telomeres on your, on your DNA, um, the, the shorter they get, the, the more it increases your aging. And so all that kind of stuff is going on all as a result of what's coming across your TV, your phone, all this internal stress. Because you're, you're feeling you got a thunderstorm coming about every three, four seconds in modern society. And it's doing a tremendous amount of damage to your health physiologically, not just mentally, but physiologically. And so it's just um, it's something that really needs to be addressed because a lot of these thunderstorms that come in aren't really your problem. But what happens when they come in with so much emotion, you feel all of a sudden that you have ownership of some of this. And really you don't. When people are trying to hand you a tug of war rope, either from a TV or a phone or, or Internet, they're trying to hand you a rope to tug it, just let it go. Just don't grab it. Just let it go. I heard a quote one time, a little story one time from a, a wise guy. He said uh, one of his uh, students saw this man come up to him and start chewing, chewing his master out, just, just going off on him. And the guy just sat there really quiet for about five minutes while this guy was just ripping him up down on the, on one side and down the other. And then the, the, the guy that was upset walked away. And this one student walked up to his teacher and said, well, you, you did nothing. You just stood there. And he said, why didn't you do anything? And the, the teacher looked at the student and said, if someone brings you a present and you don't accept it, whose who's present is it? And so you need to, all of us kind of develop some of that where just because that stuff's coming into us doesn't mean we have to accept it. And that's hard. I mean, that requires some discipline. But you don't have to accept. When they, when they give you, try to hand you a rope to tug, play tug of war with you, you don't have to accept it. Whether it's coming from a TV, a person, a traffic jam, somebody blowing a horn at you, flipping you off. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to grab that rope. You can let it go. So anyway, I got on a tangent there, but hope it helped. No, it's good. That's good. There's a couple of things I want to go back on. Uh, a bit ago, I see you writing over there, and I'm going to come back to you real quick. There's there's a couple of things. Jim is uh, one of the guys we work with, and um, one of the things that you guys both know him too, um, one of the things he's mentioned at different times is, that this anxiety, this stress side of this, okay, your body doesn't know any different. Your body doesn't know if a real saber-toothed tiger is chasing you down or the woolly mat. It doesn't know, okay? So the adrenaline shot, you get a shot of this adrenaline that goes straight in now. How that works, you don't get to take it, okay, gradually. When you're in stressful mode or your house is on fire or you got in a car wreck, this just hits your bloodstream, okay? But your body doesn't know if that's manufactured if it's just something that you're just always in perpetual state of anxiety or there's a real saber tooth tiger chasing you down. Okay. So Ragnar, I think what, what you're talking about here, you went, you went wild though on your microbiology, on your telomeres. And I, I, I love that deal. Okay. The fact is, and I think it was Seneca who said this most of, most of all, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but most of all the boogeymen we worry about, it <laughs> never really happened. Okay. Most of all the things that we fear, most of all the things that we're terrified, most of all the terrible things that happened in our life, they never really happened. Okay. It was just invented craziness. Now, Mark Twain has a really nice variant on that too. So again, you know, if you want to go look that up and argue about who said this quote, or that, that's fine. You go argue with somebody else. Either way, the idea is 
the thunderstorm. I don't know. You look at the weather all day. These people don't know anything. Okay, they talk about probabilities and chances, and we worry. And, and how many times have we canceled vacations and camping trips? Because somebody said it may or may not rain. Actually, nothing happened. Okay. We know the, and the, some of the best the, trips I've ever been on. Go ahead. The late Stephen yeah. Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of High Effect People, one of, his, one of his concepts in his book was yeah. try to carry your own weather with you. Wherever you go, instead yeah. of just reacting to whatever weather you show up to, Try to carry your own weather with you as you go through life in different scenarios. Bring your own weather with you. That's kind of what we're talking about here, but that came from Stephen Covey back in 30 years ago when he wrote that book. Great book. Abednego, let me go um, with you. Carry your weather with you, okay? I'll put Covey in here. I, I, want, I like to, listen, I like to footnote people, okay? I'm not trying to steal everybody's stuff out here. Um, this is such an important thing. Um, some of the best trips I've ever been on were people were, were trips that people told me not to go. Oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be a tornado. It's going to be a hurricane. Don't you know? Uh, something's going to happen weird here. Listen, if something weird happens along the way, that's part of the story. That's part of the fun part that you get to have, uh, a Bendigo in the retelling of this. And, but again, I'm going to say this, I'm just going to leave it there. This can soak for all you people who are at home following along on your microbiology side, okay? When you get a shot of bad stuff <laughs> to your bloodstream, it could be, you know, all kinds of chemicals. Everybody's kind of familiar with adrenaline. You get a rush and you turn into the Hulk and do all kind of weird stuff. You know, every time this happens, there's premature age, aging on a micro level. But there are people who live in anxiety all the time and all. And so they're getting this continual bad flow in their blood, okay? And your body doesn't know, again, if it's real or not, or there's a tiger, or they don't know. We talk about David, Goliath. We talk about Daniel, the lion's den, all this stuff, fiery furnace. You listen, they don't know if that's a real deal there or there's really something going on in here, okay? So when you provide yourself this artificial um, – it kind of, you know, with your nervous system, it's an electric side um, of a catalyst. It's putting your body through these stressful items. You know, you see some people who are 50, and, man, they look like they're 80 already, okay? They're just prematurely aged through different stuff, either working conditions or mental state or whatever it is. Abednego, these are things, all these topics, when we go through, and I want you to go in and kind of comment on that, but if you can go in and introduce this topic here, Abednego crazy gap and what's that what that has really meant to provide because one of the things that we went back for and Ragnar said this what we really want to do is right here create some time and space between between the stimulus and the response this is a concept here Abednego when you get into this that's really helped us on all this stuff to deal with fit testing okay and so there's, I know I'm throwing a lot at you in terms of topics and all that stuff. Okay. If you could just comment on some of that stuff and how that's helped not only you, but our guys in our group, um, hey. to have some emotional room, uh, a psychological, um, foxhole, if you will, go ahead and take it away on that. Before I get to that, I do want to go back to the carry your own weather with you. Cause in my mind pops up Eeyore who's downer on everything and, and, uh, you know, gloom and doom. And then um, I had a grandma who was like that. And, you you know, you go over to her house. How you doing, grandma? Oh, this hurts and that hurts. And, 
everything it, it got to the point where we didn't want to go over and see her anymore you know and uh man if you're if you're carrying bad weather with you all the time if everything's gloom and doom it, it's no wonder if you're uh if you're low on friends that, that's probably a pretty good reason um you know it's it's uh it's tough that's where you got to go back into those knobs and start turning some knobs or having somebody help you turn some knobs so you can you can readjust that story and and change your focus but you know when we're talking crazy gap stuff uh that's kind of where you think you got an idea of how things are supposed to work in your life and and you know what things are going to be like and so you've got this current awareness that's your awareness and and then reality comes at some point and smacks you in the side of the head and you realize what you thought this awareness that you had isn't where reality is and and that that can cause um a, a lot of a lot of pain um the farther away that that your awareness is from your reality um the bigger the pain you know i remember talking to a guy i back in the days um before I went into ministry and, um, you know, I was working construction and uh, my brothers, we all work construction together. We had race cars. And so we're at a drag race and, uh, you know, we were at a, we were at our home track, but we had another track that was on down the road that we used to go to a lot. And I ended up racing this one guy had a Camaro and I raced him a lot at this other track. Well, at our home track, um, he showed up and I haven't seen him in like two years and I'm like, dude, how's it going? You know, where have you been? And he goes on this story about, um, how, you know, he thought his marriage was okay. He thought everything was perfectly fine. Um, and he said he went to work at, he left home at seven 30 at eight o'clock, this huge U-Haul put backed up to his house. And he said, when he got home, there was nothing left. The shower curtain was gone. The shower curtain rings were gone. He said the toilet paper holders were gone. He said there was nothing, no furniture. The only thing that was left was his clothes. And that was it. And uh, you talk about a crazy gap. Man, that guy was living a crazy gap because his awareness said everything's perfect. Our marriage is great. Uh, reality came and said, now she's fooling around on you and she just went down the road with jimmy joe and took all your stuff and uh, you know that's a huge crazy gap to fight through um you know and, and again unless unless you've got you've got some control unless you've got some head game you know unless you've got something that you can focus on um something positive uh you know and and for for Christians, that, that's where God comes into play, you know, um, where you can focus on him and believe in his promises and, and, uh, you know, and that gives you comfort to get through those times. Uh, you know, I'm also a big fan of the fact that we need friends to help us get through that friends that are going to, that are going to help us, uh, with, with those knobs and, and turn those knobs and adjust those when needed. And, and sometimes that can be painful. Uh, to have friends that that do that that you know that will confront you and tell you um, you know you're you're not telling yourself a very good story you know we just talked about um, David and uh, you know he had a lot of he had a lot of um, crazy gap 
going on in his life. A lot of crazy gap. You know, he was anointed king. We see that in First Samuel 16. Uh, he's anointed to be the king. But it was like one of those, here's God's promise, but not yet. And so his awareness now is that, hey, I'm going to be the king. That's my, that's my deal. But the reality of the situation was he was still a shepherd boy. You know, he kills, he kills Goliath, and you think, okay, now he's going to be king. But he's not. You know, then he becomes the number one target for Saul. Saul wants to kill him. You know, he just has these crazy gap moments after crazy gap moments. And, uh, you know, we see that the Lord was with him. And, and that obviously was a huge help to him throughout those crazy gap moments. But then he had a buddy named Jonathan. And uh, we see him in 1 Samuel 18. And this guy, um, you know, he encourages, he protects, um, you know, he does all these really uh, cool things. But really what he's doing is he's helping David turn these knobs. He really is. He's helping, helping make sure that his, his inside game, that he, that he doesn't get tripped up on, his, on this head trip stuff. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool story. Uh, you know, I'd suggest, suggest you read it because it just, it's crazy gap after crazy gap. And, you know, like I said, the wider that gap, the wider that gap, then the more intense the pain. And, and you can get out of it. How you get out of it is you gotta, you gotta get your awareness to where reality really is. And that's where, man, having people to tell you the truth about things is huge. It's huge. You know, it's one thing I think there's nothing more powerful, you know, uh, we talk a lot of intimacy a lot between a parent and their child or between a man and a woman, but we don't really talk about masculine intimacy and by, I'm not talking about, you know, preferences of sexuality. So I'm just talking about, you know, just really deep friendships between men. You see it sometimes in combat, things like that. People went through some trials and tribulations. They just have a really tight bond. But when you got a guy like you're talking about with the drag race there, and you can get with guys like that where you, they feel safe enough to kind of empty out everything because they have so much of it bottled up. And it's probably sometimes it's probably the first time in their lives they've ever felt that safe emotionally to be able to, to unload that stuff. And I know that the, the group there, the PMC group, we've got guys in there that give testimonials. And, um, you know, you, you guys have said when you saw them that, that they physically looked different after they unloaded that. And there was an energy change in them. And, and so whether you want to call it spirit or whatever you want to label it, they had a different frequency leaving that room than when they came in that day. And I'll posit that the ones that have kept doing the work have maintained that frequency. One of them uh, sang on stage today. And so I think it's just so transformational when you can get, create a safe space like that in an unjudgmental environment where, where cause you can accept when people tell you those hard truths, as long as you know it's in love. I've been in, I've been in many, many high-level uh, mastermind groups in business around the country. And when people pay enough money to get in those things, everybody's committed. And when there's, when there's, you feel that love in there, everybody's trying to help everybody else. And then they give you that hard truth. You can swallow it easier. It's that spoonful of sugar. And so even though it hurts and you're looking right in the mirror and you're saying, ouch, 
most of the people that are telling you these hard truths know it because they've had them themselves. They've had the same mistakes. And as long as we're giving you that with, in a blanket of warm love, that's when you can really take those truths in. They don't hurt as bad. They put their hand around you, their arm around you, and you just start growing. That's when you see the astronomical growth, exponential growth from people. Because it's one thing to try to, to do it on your own. But when you have that blanket of really strong love, masculine intimacy wrapped around you, which is so rare today, um, it really cultivates rapid growth and uh, self-image and character and things like that. Oh, you know, Greg. Let me let me say this. So go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I I just want to jump on that and just say, you know, I think I think that is huge because as as I'm thinking through your crazy gap stuff, you know, there's there's no it, it doesn't just run its course and and then it's okay. Um, you know, you have to somehow move that awareness over to where uh, reality is. You know, I know people who have been in. Uh, divorce situations where they've been blindsided and they cannot cannot move past Many years down the road uh, they're still living in that crazy gap and so you know it's your choice whether you want to carry that carry that pain with you continually or you want to say you know what reality is they left me and maybe reality was I really screwed up somewhere down the road that's the reality and, uh, you know, quit trying to fool yourself thinking they're going to come back or, you know, the, a lot of people call that dumpster diving, going back to the X and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, you, you, it, it's important to have people that can help you get out of that because you can carry that for the rest of your life. And I know people who have. And it is sad to see. You know, let me I, I think there's a couple things I got to go clean up on here. Let me start with what you just said, Abednego. Uh, there's a gap here. Okay, let me just draw. I'm going to draw this. I've put it up here three times already today. Okay, but on this crazy gap, all right, is that here is where our reality is. You guys with me so far? Yes. Uh, current awareness now is here. Now, this reality thing, this is same for everybody. All right. Same for everyone. How about we say say that? Same for everyone. And there's a why in there somewhere. So you people who are all excited about all kinds of, you know, handwriting, have fun with that. This reality is the same for everybody. All right. It's just that the way we process that reality makes everything different for everyone. Okay. Now, if there's a thunderstorm that came through, in my mind, I will somehow process that. In the next town over, okay, same thunderstorm, but maybe theirs got a little bit more violent and maybe turned into a tornado, a twister. So they're going to process that. Their house got torn up that day. So they're going to process, but this reality is the same deal. Storm came through and tore some stuff up. Now, there's, there's some things on there. Um, that when you talk about the the event okay and how all this works out um there's the event and the response okay and how how your response all that stuff equals the outcome on this okay and how you process that i'm gonna ragnar i'm gonna come back to you in a minute i want you to go over that because we, we did come up with a formula on this okay um 
and so we're going to come back to that. But let me let me stay with this just for a minute, okay? This current awareness, what you're talking about here, Abednego, and why there's a gap in here. There's really only there's really only one reason there's a gap in here, Abednego, is because we refuse to accept the reality. We want to stay over here and insulate ourselves, protect ourselves, and make it some of our own little cool alternate reality, what we call current awareness. And because we have a hard time facing reality, okay, so we throw a fit, or we yell and scream, or we're going to, you know, deny everything. And, and, and what we do is we create all these boogeymen, you know. When we started developing this crazy gap, uh, Ragnar, a few years ago, uh, we, we talked about the trees every, every, every fall, the trees fall off the, uh, the leaves fall off the tree. They turn color. It doesn't matter what happens. Okay. All we know is in October, when that calendar turns a page, October rolls around, leaves are going to turn color and they're going to fall. Now, you, you look, you don't have to accept that. You can invent some other thing, but it doesn't matter how much you go out and cry about it and scream and tear your hair out. Leaves still going to fall. Okay. I mean, it happens every time. And, you know, whoever has a puppy dog out there, we use that analogy too. You know, you, you just scream and cry and yell at the dog and throw your sticks at the dog. You told him not to pee on a tire or pee on a tree. It doesn't matter. As soon as you let that dog out, it's going to go do it again. And the reason we have problems accepting all this is because we haven't accepted this reality yet that the dog's going to do what the dog's going to do. We haven't accepted this thing. We haven't accepted that nature's going to happen this way. Ragnar, you talked a week ago or so about man gravity is something we deal with now if you want to try to deny that or make up all kinds of boogeymen about how things didn't happen or you didn't get the results you wanted whatever happened you know you're going to pay a lot of there's there's a tax that you have to pay on this for not dealing with reality okay and so this thing here about we don't want to accept reality in all of this stuff okay you talk about abednego a minute ago talk about david and jonathan you have to remember, Jonathan was in a terrible situation in here. This is the uh, the son of the king. This is pretty soon David's brother-in-law. Jonathan's sister Michael married David. Yeah. Right? And plus, Jonathan's dad is the king. So all these people are lined up with Jonathan, Jonathan and Jonathan was the heir apparent. He's supposed to be the king. No, David's going to be the king. And if you ever want to talk about, you know, this is something we always treasure in our group, this brotherhood we've created down here. Okay. And this is just a tremendous biblical model of how two guys are supposed to behave here. Okay. No, they didn't get their genders all mixed up. Okay. They don't have no funny business running behind the bushes and doing weird things. What they have is just a true, genuine, sincere, Christ-like love for each other. This is all it is and support. Okay. And there's a lot of reason for Jonathan not to, uh, befriend David and love David. Okay. His whole house, the whole palace is against David on this thing, top down. So there's a lot of things on here that are just so special in the way they deal with that. All right. Now, Jonathan could have dealt with that in a lot of ways, but if you come back to our own lives and all the things that have caused us trouble over the years, okay, it, because we live in this gap here, we don't live in reality. No, none of us, no, nobody lives in reality. Okay. You listen, you want to talk about crazy gap, right? Okay. I, I think somewhere along the way, we need to go back to this other chart and I'm going to, I'm going to put this up here. This is a chart that we've put up before um, that's near and dear to all of us. And 
somewhere over here on Calvary, we have three crosses and three guys were crucified on here this day. We have Jesus over here. Okay. We have some guy here who's some lifetime frequent criminal, whatever. Okay. Jesus was innocent. He didn't do anything. Okay. And he's up here and they're putting him on a cross. Some guy comes up and puts a spear in him and they're all swearing at him, profanities, swearing at him, treating his mom terribly. Everybody's treating him terribly. Took off all his clothes, shamed him in front of everybody. This goes on and on until he's dead. Okay. And he's a guy up here dying on this cross for everybody's sins and they're still hating down on him and he looks up and he says father you know forgive these people they know not what they do and even in the middle of all this stuff his father you know heavenly father turned his back on him because he had all the sins of humanity on him and he said father father you know my god my god why have you forsaken me jesus even in all this there was a massive crazy gap, you know, and he's all alone. His father turned away. His own earthly mother, Mary, sitting right there at the bottom of the cross with John and the other three Marys. And they're right here, and they're trying to deal with this. It's a massive, I can't imagine the terrible, awful time going through this whole thing, okay? Somewhere along the way, he had to come to grips with this idea here. The reality is I'm here sitting on a cross, and wherever he chose to do that, I'm not sure how that happened, okay? It all works on this. Let me go back here, Abednego, to another thing that we see a lot of people deal with um, or not deal with. We see a lot of people stay in this world right here, and they stay in this scriptural cop-out mode. What? I, and this is a really – this is something we need to develop, and it's something that – it's kind of difficult, I think, because a lot of church people will see this term, scriptural cop-out. And they will turn us into heretics and everything else. Okay, what, what we do know is in a weird, niched-out way, biblical people, Christian people, people of faith, church people, whatever, they live so many times in this perpetual gap. And so many times they refuse to deal with the hardships in their life, with the chaos in their life, because they go back to Scripture. Now, it sounds... It sounds really odd to say that, okay, but they hide behind Scripture in so many ways. And, and so how many times have you heard this, either of you, okay? Oh, man, you're just not praying enough. you got to go read more Bible. you got to pray. you got to, you know, so this kind of language comes out. So when you get a real tough counseling situation or a tough situation comes into the elders' tribunal, one of the first things they say is, well, man, that's a tough deal. Wow, that's terrible. Man, that sucks to be you. Well, I'll tell you what. Listen, you got to go pray more and read more Bible. Okay, have a good day. Go on and go figure it out. That's and the go-to. I'm telling you. And there's not a lot of Monday morning practical stuff. Listen, we're down here on earth, okay? We've been given a lot of tools, or we should have, okay? And what we're trying to do in this whole series, what we're all about is trying to increase awareness, okay? God's given us everything we need, intellect, tools, personality, that we can develop or not, okay? And so just to say, hey, you got to go pray more. Yeah, to me, that's not enough, and that's a scriptural cop-out. That's how I'm going to define that, okay? What we ought to be doing is helping people to build their toolbox to deal with all this craziness that's in the middle of this crazy gap, okay? Because we don't live in reality. We live over here in some imaginary deal. It's like, finally, 
everybody saw Wizard of Oz, and I put the screen up. I put the, listen, believe me, we can put that, you can go to YouTube and look for, it's a minute and a half, when Dorothy finally looks behind the curtain and says, wait a minute, what's this crazy wizard? He's back here fooling with his computer. And if it wasn't for her dog, Toto, right, she'd never found this crazy wizard, and he's just a goofball, all right? And I forget the line on it. He says, I'm a, and she says, oh, you're a terrible person. She starts to label him and just, he says, no, I'm, I'm a really good person. I'm just a terrible wizard. Uh, just, you know, but if it wasn't for her dog over here barking away, she and her buddies would never have looked behind the curtain. And so when we try to get people to look behind the curtain and look over here a little bit over here and try to find out what's really going on in their lives, right? It's really hard for them to do that. And I think in my own opinion, Abednego, you can answer this on your inside view on this, is that church so many times have made this so difficult for people to really see reality for what it is because of all the stories from all the stuff and all the interpretations and all the things they argue about. And it's really hard for so many of these people in Christian marriages. That's why we see, listen, Christian marriages, they're the same divorce level as everybody else or more. If you want to look at the numbers. Okay. So when I call scriptural cop out Abednego, just go there for a minute and talk about what, that is done for the health of the church. We, we listen, we've seen this in our group. We've had a lot of people hate on us locally. Okay. And they invent all kinds of reasons how we're terrible and we're doing awful things to all these people and giving out terrible advice and blah, blah, blah. And they hide behind scripture and they won't provide any practical knowledge in so many cases, practical advice. Okay. They won't help them build a toolbox. Uh, and I've been in many, you know, there used to be this group that went around the country and there's a big man's group. And it seemed like, and I, I was a part of several of those meetings and it seemed like whenever something came up that was tough to deal with, then we'll just have a prayer and we'll all go home. That's how they dealt with that. Okay. So Abednego, go back scriptural cop out in a minute and expound on that as how you view that to be. Yeah. I mean, that's, isn't that the go-to, um, you come up and you're like, Hey man, uh, just lost my job. My dog died, wrecked my car. I think my wife's going to leave me. And you go, hey, hey, I'll pray for you. Yeah. How does that help anybody? You know, obviously, yes, do pray. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, people need more than, than that. Uh, when they're coming to you for advice, I think one of the worst things we can do as Christians um, is, is to take that easy road. You know, yeah, I, I mean, that should really go without saying that I'll pray for you. Um, you know, our our go-to is always, uh, hey, what, are, are you reading your Bible? No, well, you, you know, you need to read your Bible and you need to pray. And and those are super important, especially when we're talking state control and that kind of thing. Um, but there needs to be some actionable steps that go with that. I was just thinking about James uh, chapter 2. And in James chapter two, it says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. You know, um, man, you've got to do the practical, you know, and in 2 second, uh, second Timothy 1.7, 
You know, it says that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us uh, a spirit of, uh, he gave us, he gave us a, a spirit of power and of, of love and of a sound mind. And so we have a sound mind. And, you know, I think where we fail as Christians sometimes is engaging our mind and, and helping people in very, in very practical ways. And that, that's one thing I think that's really helped as far as who I talk to and the counseling that I do and um, in my ministry setting is that, yeah, we're going to talk about the spiritual things, but I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to take that on and we're going to talk about what can you do practically on Monday morning that you, how you can apply this stuff, how you can begin to make changes, how, how you can see things differently. Um, how, you know, how can I, how can I help meet this person's needs um, in, in a real way? Uh, not just, um, you know, giving them some scripture and praying again, I'm not against that. That I think has its place and it's super important, but if it's not followed up with some kind of action, then really, really, it's probably just meaningless words because that's just be real honest. Most of the time when people say, I'll pray for you, they never do. They never do. They have a good intention. interject there for a second? Yep. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. I really think that the vast majority of these people throw out that try to answer their suggestion because they know in their own hearts that their own lives are screwed up beyond measure. They know that their own marriages are dead. They own that their own relationship with their kids is bad. They, own, they know that they hate their job too. They know that their wife doesn't love them anymore. So they say, pray, you know, pray, read the Bible, whatever, because they honestly don't have any toolbox themselves. And then the people that told them, the generation before, just pray, read your Bible, they didn't have a toolbox either. So I think the empty toolbox has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And they don't have an answer. So all they can think of is pray more because that's what they were told. That's what, that's what their dad told them. And that's what grandpa told dad. And that's what great grandpa told grandpa. And everybody's been wired the same way. And, and, and everybody's carrying this empty tin toolbox around. There's the only thing in there is a, is a washer rattling around in there. There's nothing in there. There's nothing. They have no functional stuff for Monday morning. And it's passed down from generation to generation to generation. And so the, the easy thing to say is so they don't look stupid, they don't look like they don't know anything, is, oh, pray more, read your Bible. But in reality is their toolbox is empty too, and their life's a train wreck, and they don't have any answers either. That's the I, harsh truth about it. I, you know, I think that's a great point because, you know, early on in ministry, I, I gave that advice to people because that's the advice that was given to me. That's, that's <laughs> what you learned in class. That's... That's how you did it. Yeah. Well, well, you must not be praying and you must not be reading your Bible. So that's, that's your problem. And, and a lot of times, you know, maybe that is, has contributed greatly to the problem, but when they're standing in front of you, um, they need something that they can apply. They, they need you to get your tools out and, and go to work, start turning knobs and, and things like that. If you don't know how to do that, then no, when, that, that's all you got. When they're standing in front of you with an arterial bleeder shooting blood out of their neck, metaphorically speaking, you can't just say, pray more. I mean, they, they need a tourniquet, and they need it now. Mm -hmm. And then once the bleeding stops, then we can have a philosophical discussion 
spiritual discussion and religious discussion of how these principles can be applied. I think, like you said, it's really great for state control, that kind of thing. But yeah. but when you have an arterial bleed, when you get a phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning and a guy's thinking about taking his life, that's an arterial bleed. If you tell that guy to go pray more, he's going to go shoot himself. It's that serious. And so you got to have something functional. Now, listen, here's, here's the way to look at this in 20,000-foot view. If, if you have, the fact that you came up with something functional to help this man from killing himself came from God. You're, you're in the image of God. I mean, you have the capacity to come up with this creative eye solution to help this person not kill himself. That's God-given. So it's all God-given. I mean, you know, it's, that's where it came from. You're just a conduit. You're just a hose for the water, you know. That's where it all came from. And so, but this function, if you guys got an arterial, here's it. If a guy's got an arterial bleed emotionally going on in his life, and he's thinking about suicide, and you tell him to just pray more, that is malpractice at the highest level. You know, that's like, that's like a surgeon cutting off the wrong leg. That's malpractice. And to me, in my opinion, and this sounds rough, boys, but that's a sin. Yeah. If you're in a position of leadership, and this guy's got an arterial bleed spiritually, emotionally going on in his life right now, he's thinking about suicide, and you tell him that he needs to pray more, read his book more, and that's it, that is malpractice, and that's a sin, in my opinion. You know, here's the thing on this. When we talk about Ragnar, and I want you to go into this a little bit. I'm going to go backwards. Um, you got an arterial bleed. You got Now, people don't know this out there, but they're going to get introduced to this here because <laughs> – we got to deal with it sometime. We, we have uh, tremendous local guys we've been working with, okay? And so you get all kinds of stories in there. Um, one of the things that, that I would say right now, and you guys correct me um, and put your own version on this however you want to, the guys who have made the most progress with us, okay, um, we get, you get two different kinds of things. Ragnar, you were talking about earlier about the kinds of people that can deal with this stuff. We see two different people who jump into our group. Okay. One group is your, your fellows who they have tremendous pain. Some of them have been looking at the end of a handgun, 18, 20 hours straight. They rented a hotel. Okay. So they wouldn't have to make a mess in their own place, whatever it was. We've had so many stories of these guys who are trying to take their own life in one way or another. And so, Ragnar, when you talk about an arterial bleed, this is something that is real to us. This is visceral. This is something that, you know, has me up looking at the ceiling at 3 a.m., guys, and all of us, because we're in this together. This is an outreach mission we've been on to save guys, not only here walking on the earth, okay, but from taking their own lives, okay, on a salvation side also. So it's there's three, three, it's 3D on this, okay? There's depth to it. It's not just we wear a T-shirt around and, you know, guys are famous for this deal. You know, locker room joke, pat each other on the back and sell stupid jokes and run off down the road. There's, we got to get toolbox out. And in this area we work, you know, there's a lot of rural people. But it doesn't matter if you're on the interstate. It doesn't matter if you're out in the field. If your tractor breaks down, or maybe you're on the interstate. You're trying to get somewhere. The other day, uh, my son was driving from Tennessee. Okay. So he's got quite a few hours. He, somewhere in the middle of there, had a flat tire. 
right? Now, initially, you know, he called, because this is always a crazy gap. His current awareness is the car's going to work well. I'm going to get home and everything's fine. When reality shows up and he's riding a rim down the side of the shoulder, okay, now, boy, we got craziness here. And so he knows how to change a tire, but initially there's so many crazy things happening. They try to get out of the way of traffic and all this stuff's going on. Um, stuff like this kind of happens along the way. Okay. So it is a crazy, it is a crazy gap on that. And um, Abednego, give me that. You got that quote on James. What was that again? Yeah. In James four seventeen, so this goes exactly with what Ragnar was saying about it being a sin. It yeah. says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. If you've got the tools, you got the know-how, and you don't help somebody, and that's a sin. That's a sin. Listen, do got lucky on that one. Nah, I don't know about it. <laughs> it's, well, it's truth. You know, we know all truth comes from God, and so what you spoke was truth, I, you know, and, and so it lines up with the truth of God's Word. Absolutely. It really, it really is, and I, I think some of this stuff, you know, when we look at, is that there, there's a mastermind going on, okay? Um, just us getting together in our local group, this here, uh, we solve a lot of problems. So when my son had this flat tire, okay, go in the tr trunk, look, oh, there's tools in there. Well, let's use them. Now, these aren't random weird tools. These are specific tools to help somebody fix a flat tire. So your tractor breaks down, all right? Tractor breaks down the field, you go out there, you don't have the right tools. You don't stay there and try to make the wrong tools work. Now, it'd be totally malpractice, idiot behavior to go into the shop, look around for a while, come back out the next day to try to fix your tire with the same wrong tool. It doesn't work. Okay? So you got to continually develop in your toolbox to get new tools. And if your only tool is hit this button over here, okay, hit this button over here that is a scriptural cop outside. Oh, go pray, go read the Bible. That's your only tools? Really? So a guy's staring at a handgun all night long, and he calls you at 3 a.m., and you tell him, man, I'm, I'm sleeping right now, man. You listen, just go pray. Here's a couple scriptures. Here's, uh, here's your bracelet to wear. What would Jesus do? Uh, and we'll keep you in our prayers. That's it. Have a good day. Really? That's, that's your deal? That's your toolbox? That's what you're going to tell this dude? And you might never see him again? That's all. His message is, well, that dude doesn't care. What if you were the last person he's going to call? And that's your, that's your level right there. So on this scriptural cop out, now I'm gonna we're gonna develop this at another time. What we call a Jayhawk calls. Um, that's what we call a Jayhawk calls. We're gonna do this in class seven. So in class five, um, like I said, there's a whole thread that goes through all of this stuff. So bringing up this is totally appropriate because it deals with mental state and where you are on this thing. Class number seven is dealing with shame. Um, the back half of that class. Is talking about Jayhawk issues. Uh, I've mentioned this before in here. Jayhawk calls are suicide calls. And the reason we call it Jayhawk calls, because we kind of like that term. And basically all it means is that while we're doing all this stuff and we're here, here at Sunday, whenever this is at 4 a.m., 4 p.m., there's still, as much as we're trying to help people here and doing this show with coronavirus and everything else going on, there's still some guy out in Kansas right now trying to find some bullets to put in his gun. There's some guy out in Kansas right now arguing with the guy at the hardware because he bought his rope and he figured out how to make a hangman's noose. And 
but he wants to make sure he got a big enough rope. So he's arguing with the guy at the hardware store about, is this rope going to be strong enough? So with all of everybody's good intents, there's still some guy out in Kansas right now trying to figure out a way to end it. Okay. So that's why we call that the Jayhawk, but that's coming in class seven on the Jayhawk calls. I want to go back here a little bit. Uh, let me go here to Ragnar. I want you to develop this for us for a few minutes when we look at this whole thing right here. Um, is that with everything we've talked about, we look at why do we have this anxiety? We have this stress. Why do we, why do, why do we have all this stuff? Okay. And one of the things that we look at on all of this, why do we refuse, Ragnar? I mean, if it's that easy, all we got to do is move from here, from current awareness over to reality. That should be easy. All we got to do is just accept reality and move on. Why is it so difficult for us to accept reality and move on? What, why, why does this happen that we have this built in to not accept reality? Go ahead and take that away and see where we can go on that. Well, I think a lot of us built in your subconscious as a survival mechanism. Uh, we're constantly unconsciously looking for patterns. Um, we have so much stimulus come into our head every day, thousands and thousands of inputs every day. And I think our subconscious is constantly looking for patterns and we're looking for somebody basically to give us the easy button uh, so we can move on with our day and process our day. And so I think like in your subconscious is, is programmed by emotion. That's why everyone can remember, you know, when 9-11 um, happened, those that were old enough or, uh, you know, Prince Stai uh, got, got killed or uh, anything like that. You know, they, they, they can remember these, these instantly, they can remember these events because emotionally it shot right to your subconscious mind and programmed it instantly because of the, the intensity of the emotion. And so I think you're wired that way by God, the universe as a survival thing to get patterns in you very quickly so that you know that, okay, don't, there's a bear track there. I'm not going to go there. There's a cliff there. I'm not going to step off that. And you get this stuff programmed in, um, to keep you safe ultimately is to keep, keep the specimen, the, the organism alive. But in modern society, we're not dealing with many bears. We're not dealing with many saber tooth tigers or cliffs. And, and so, and even crime, depending on where you live, is in, you know if you're in a rural area, it's a lot less than than um, than it would have been in a tribal hunter-gatherer type situation. So, I I'll, we get in some habits that are ingrained in our subconscious, and we're still kind of wired that way in modern society. It's sometimes because of a self uh, comfort zone, your comfort zone basically is a self-protection mechanism. You get in your subconscious does not want you to get out of that. And so it's just trying to keep you alive, but you got to kind of push against that to grow. And, you know, we were talking a minute ago about readdress this for a second. I think, I think most of these people that say just pray and things, I think most of these people wish they had a tool to hand somebody. I think most people really genuinely want to help people, you know, and, but there's some that don't, you know, they, for whatever reason, sociopath or whatever, they have no need to help somebody. But also, not everyone wants to be helped because a lot of people have an identity in their negativity. That's they were raised. Our, uh, Betty goes talking about his grandma. You know, she got attention for many, many decades from that negative energy, and that's why my, my I have relatives that are the same way, and and that's that's her identity. That's how she got attention. That's how she got dopamine. Was constantly talking about her drama, and that's how she got it. So, in a person, you know, somebody like that, I know from personal experience, they're not coachable. 
because that's their entire identity. She's 75 years old. That, that's been her identity since she was seven. That's, that's how she's got attention. So some of those people aren't coachable. And if you try to take that away from them, it's like trying to take away their, their self-image or their identity or, or their hearts. I mean, it's going to, you know, they'll squeal like crazy because that's their identity. Um, and so sometimes when I've, when I've worked with people and counsel them, I ask them, are you coachable? I, before I invest a lot of time, I just say, are you coachable? And what does that mean? Well, I mean, if, if I point out truth and also some functional ways of, of implementing that and, and changing your life for the better, are you the kind of person who's going to implement that? Yes or no? And if they're, well, I don't know. Well, if, unless I say, unless I hear an absolute yes, then I just wish them well, move on. It's not my, it's not my, you know, I tried. If they say, yeah, I'm coachable, then I'll do that. But if you're dealing with somebody that's got their, their identity, their image of themselves, how they've gotten dopamine their whole life is because of negative energy and being the victim and projecting that all the time. It's very rare you're going to change that, especially if somebody's older. They just have too much tied up and their whole life is wired around that story. And it's, it's really sure, hard. Ragnar, it's your whole identity, you know, and, um, Talk to us, Ragnar, about the thorn and what people, the, the, the extents they go in their lives to avoid reality. Really, they shape their whole life around this. Go ahead and talk about the thorn. That's a concept we use all the time. Yeah, it came, out of, came out of the book, Untethered Soul. It's a great, great book. Um, Michael Singer's the author of that book. But it, it, basically, everyone has some kind of baggage, like we're talking about with the older lady there, some kind of embarrassment, some kind of trauma in their lives. And so maybe they got cheated on, maybe they got bullied, uh, maybe a business failed, maybe a partner, business partner that they trusted implicitly took money from them, uh, some kind of trauma. And so there's basically two ways you got this. It's like having a metaphorically speaking, having a thorn sticking out of your arm. And so there's two ways of dealing with that. Number, what most people do is try to adjust life to not hit their thorn. They, they keep people away. They're defensive. They, they may not do certain jobs. Maybe they don't date uh, or they only date certain people. They only hang out with certain situations because they're afraid something that's going to hit their thorn, that, that emotional baggage they brought with them. That's one way. And that's, that's, that's the vast majority of population does that. The second way is to remove the thorn, just get it out. Now that's like taking a rubber, a, a bandaid off. You know, you do it real slow. It hurts. You do it real fast. It hurts for a second. And it, it, taking the thorn out the same way. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to remove a thorn on your own unless you're really deep into self-growth and self-actualization. It's really hard to take that thorn out on your own. But like we were talking about a half hour or so ago, when you have a, a group of people around you that care about you and that you know love you and have compassion for you and they're going to be there for you, then it's easier to take that thorn out because as soon as it comes out, they're going to be there to put a bandaid on it for you really quickly. And it's really hard for very rarely do you have a person that's self-actualized enough to take that thorn out on them on their own. Usually there needs to be a group of people around them that, that they can trust and cultivate to get that thorn out. But, but the vast majority of the population, uh, especially the people that are telling you just to read more and pray more, uh, have a thorn and, you can tell when you're getting close to a thorn because they get really defensive. Whatever you're talking about, they get really defensive. You can tell you're getting really close to that thorn. And most people just, it's just too painful to even think about taking that thorn out. They just, they, they alter their entire life. Most people go to their grave with that thorn still sticking out of their arm. 
and their quality of life and the quality of life of those around them and their loved ones is, is altered in a negative way as a result of that. Well, it's a tough deal because their, their whole reality identity is in this and they just spend their whole, I mean, we've all had a splinter, right? We've all had, how about this? Um, and by the way, you guys let me put up a voids with an ES on there for 15 minutes. Come on. Um, I just saw you being artistic license creativity there for a second. I, I, yeah, I don't, I, don't I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I took on. that note, but I spelled it right. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> Bendigo. Bendigo's well, got did, it going on over there. Well, listen, I did too, eventually. All right. But <laughs> I, I, I scribble it out. Sharpie, you know, whatever. Um, here's the thing. Everybody's been sunburnt. Um, man, go get a hug from an enthusiastic friend of yours after you get sunburnt, right? You're looking like a lobster on this. I mean, I, there's, I, there's times I don't, I don't go to parties. I don't go see anybody. I'm burnt. Okay. Uh, when I was young, something weird happened here. Mom was um, boiling eggs and I, you know where the story's going. Okay. She had to move from the stove here to the sink to drain out this boiling while I was in the way. And she just ran over me, but stopped short. And the water fell all in me like this, right? And this boiling water went up. It was just awful, okay? So for those of you who like to boil eggs and you haven't figured this out yet, if there's a toddler running around, just go ahead and run over them. Don't try to stop and let the water fall over them and do it. Just run over them, okay? Anyway, I didn't want to do anything. You know, it was hard to go to school. I finished out the school year, maybe had a day or two. But I had to go to the hospital, you know, they get the salve. And this thing went on for two weeks. Mom and dad changing wrappings. It's just awful. But what you're talking about, Ragnar, is that it doesn't matter. We will do anything at all to avoid pain. Now, emotional pain, shame, sociological issues, society stuff, church stuff. Again, back to shame. Again, class seven is going to deal with just a whole class of shame that really, I think, Abednego, when you look at it, the guys who have made the most progress, the guys who work through the shame component, okay, and so I know someone's going to raise their hand and say, well, why do you have it at class number seven? Okay, well, it, it, you know, it's really hard to run a program and just say you're going to do shame. <laughs> Nobody show up for the shame conference. Uh, but they'll show up for the sexy time conference, okay? So, you, you know, you get them how you want. I mean, it's still a part of this. Um, there, there's a few things that on the thorn, that's a, that's, that was a really breakthrough book for us too, um, Ragnar, when you talk about it, The Untethered Soul by Singer. Now, that's a, that's a top seller. Okay, that's you can get that everywhere. In every that's an airport book. What I say, you can go through any airport you find, and in the bookstore, that's going to be that thing out in the front. Okay, um, one of the things that because we talked about some DNA issues, a little bit of Go Ragnar, and that this stuff is in there, and so it's just like your computer. When you get new updates, it takes a while to update that stuff. So in the meantime, you're still operating on the old operating system. That's what you're talking about. That's what we got installed in us. We had this, it was programmed into us on this program period. Now, that's the first seven years of life. Uh, ben, I want to come back to you. Introduce to us this topic, program period. I'm going to work on my spelling over here in the corner while you guys are talking about program period. Um, this was a really big revolutionary topic for us, too, in terms of relationships. If you could talk about program period, though, I got some stuff up. I don't know if you guys can see that. I'm on page eight on my notes. I don't know if you guys can see all that. Yeah. Or if this camera, there's some stuff on there. Can you cover a couple of those program period? 
and this, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this kind of come about um, when we discovered uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, and uh, in his studies, uh, what he found out is that for the first seven years of a child's life, um, it's just straight download. All information is just straight download because they're the mind, the the brain waves in their mind are similar to the brain waves when somebody's in a hypnotic state. And, uh, and so in that, in that state, um, for kids, everything just goes straight into their subconscious and what 90, 95% of our life, we live in our subconscious mind. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's theta, right. Um, and, and so, um, first seven years, just boom, everything downloaded. When you learn after that, um, it's, it's only by repetition. Uh, unless you can get in that theta state, which is uh, you can hit that right when you're going to sleep and right when you're waking up. And that's why um, suggestive uh, CDs that you might put in a head, headphones or something like that and you sleep on it and it repeats over and over again because you're going to hit that right as you're going to sleep and right when you're coming out of your sleep, you're going to hit that theta state. And so that, that's helpful, um, but it's, it's repetition. It's doing your ABCs over and over again, um, doing your math facts, your, you know, the math tables over and over again. Um, it's that kind of thing. It's that repetition. And again, to me, that repetition, when I see that and I think about it, I go back to three knobs. You know, it's the repetition on your focus and the repetition on your story. Um, the repetition on, on making sure that your body, you know, are you, are you in this fight and flight mode or have you gotten to a relaxed state? It's, it's being, being conscious of turning those knobs in the right places. Um, and, and that's, it's that, it's that repetition of what's the story, what's the focus. Um, and you can, you, you begin to change your programming. Um, there's, uh, there's also, um, a, a gal, oh gosh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who speaks a lot of this. She's in uh, the neuroplasticity of, of the brain, and she talks a lot about um, how to how to uh, really how to renew your mind. And uh, she deals with people with traumatic brain injury and things like that. And uh, can talk about. She talks a lot about that programming period. Talks about how you can reprogram your mind and things like that but it's all this stuff that we're talking about and she points out that um that happens over you can totally kind of be a new you uh it's three sets of 21 days so 21 days kind of becomes a habit if you're if you're uh, consistent um seven to ten minutes a day uh but then if you do that for three cycles basically you can transform yourself and so it's just fascinating information. It's, it's doable stuff. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's maintaining, it's maintaining those knobs to me. You know, um, Abednego, when we look at the different ways that we can have impact on all this, um, because I think that's, that's a, that's a real, a nice place for people to have a cop out also. Well, I was raised like this. Well, I can't help it. This is how I learned it. This is how, Listen, nothing ever great came after those words. Okay, this is how I was raised. Um, very rare that anything great came after that. I'm trying to uh, look up that Caroline Leaf book because that's a really, it's a really nice one too. It's on mental 
uh, brain elasticity topics, right? And so while, while we're looking for that, we're going to put that up for you here uh, so you can get that at home. Switch on your brain. Caroline Leaf, switch on your brain. I'm going to try to get that up if we can. It's, it's a lengthy book. I've, I've read I've read through that and it, it is, uh, it's very good. It's very good, but she does a good job of um, just kind of summarizing at the end of every chapter. And so you can get the cliff notes version of that too at the end of every chapter, but it's, it's a very good book. It, it can be life changing for people. Switch on your brain, right? I, I put it on there a little bit. I don't know if you can see it, but if you want to look at the notes, switch on your brain, it's on there. Um, here, I'm going to come back here. Um, to this topic, we, uh, you know, Ragnar, you just went into and you teed us up on the thorn. Um, and you, and you talked about some people don't want to change. Okay. And you know, it's about malpractice when people can't figure out what to do in real life. I don't, I don't want to beat these people up, um, more than necessary. <laughs> um, because there's a concept in here. Okay, here's another book. And so if you can write these down, Abednego, we've, we've mentioned three or four books so far. The other one is the Ultimate Secrets of Total Self-Confidence, right? Um, so we want to, we want to, I just want to put those on here at the end to make sure one of the topics he talks about is, and it helps us, it helps to relieve us really from judging all these people out here. Well, if there's all this great stuff to tell, how come nobody told me this stuff? That's another way to lose sight of your focus and let your story in your brain run out of control with thoughts that might not be really healthy for you. When you think about this idea here that people only can operate at their highest level of awareness, okay? If they knew better, they'd do better, really. And so what we don't want to do is go get all kind of toxic feelings about people who didn't help us or why didn't someone tell me or whatever. Listen, I wish I had this stuff when I was 18, too. When I was 18, I wish I also had this deal, okay? But at the time, the people I was around, they, they were operating at their highest level of awareness, and it did not include this information, okay? But if you don't get around people who know this, if you don't upgrade your top five people, if you don't read, if you don't go listen to self-improvement product, listen, they're free in the library and no one checks them out. These are the ones they throw away every few years because no one bought them, no one checked them out, no one did anything. So filled in your local library and filled in my local library are free audio tapes and CD-ROMs and self-improvement programs. They're on YouTube free. You can do all this stuff free, okay? But nobody wants to do this. So really, I don't know what the percentages are. This is Golden Rings, class number five. This is head trip items. We're listen, why isn't, how come all seven classes aren't about head trip? All right? Because you can't get people to stay for seven classes and talk about head trip. That's not sexy enough. They'll go do something else. They don't, they don't care about it. So a few minutes ago, I said, look, there's two kind of people we find. People who are in terrible pain and they're ready to end it all. You also get your weird junkies over here who can't, fit, can't, can't wait to get the new book uh, and they'll do anything to get that critical inch. That's the kind of people we, we try to get into. How many, how many books do we read 
uh, every month. I don't know, Ragnar. I don't follow you around. I bet there hadn't been a month go by in the last 10 years where you didn't read at least two books, right? Um, there's just no way I believe that. Uh, Abednego, you're reading like a fiend, okay? I'm reading all the – you don't want to know what my book budget line is in my accounting side, okay? You just don't want to know. Um, it's two, three, four books a month, I promise you. I'm trying to get that critical inch on there. I'm trying to get new tools. I'm trying to do this thing. Now, as I get older, you know, you get you get to this realization that, man, I only got another few years on this earth if I am here that long. I might, might, might get home today. I don't know that, okay? But while I'm here, I want to operate at my highest level, and I want that highest level to be higher and higher. I, I don't want when I'm 70, if I live that long, to have the same level of awareness I had when I was 50. So you got to take a jump in awareness somehow. And, and the tough part about realizing this is that it's hard to get new awareness without going through pain. Okay, I'm going to put this up on here. You know, this is a really, really difficult thing for a lot of people to understand, is that right here, it is so hard to pick up reality. It's not free. There's a tax on this. You don't just get to have cool new awareness on this thing because it means you're going to usually have to go through some kind of pain to get that. You're going to have to lose a loved one, lose a job, get fired from a job, get dumped from your girlfriend. Something tragic is going to happen to shake you off center. Otherwise, we're good in cruise control mode, just going along here, okay? Unless you get jarred and shaken off center somehow to go chase down awareness and try to find a way to get closer to reality, it's not going to happen. Now, the, the really sad thing about it is so many people have tragedy in their lives, but they didn't increase awareness. They had all this stuff. And I think it's Mark Twain said, man, the really sad thing about all that is, you know, you had all this stuff here to learn that, but you didn't learn the lesson of all that pain you went through. Okay. And it is really tough. But again, I don't, I don't want to pick on the people who didn't come and find you and do all that stuff. Look, they're only operating at their highest level of awareness. Okay. I don't want to, you can't go, you can't go blame the junior high kid. They have seventh grade awareness. What, what, what we have trouble with though, okay, is a 30 year old, a 50 year old who still has seventh grade awareness. They didn't read a functional book for 30 years. Really? There's a lot of those out there. I mean, that's the vast majority of the population. It's most of the people. It's USA Today, USA Today writes their newspaper at an eighth grade level for the reason for that reason yep sure they do yeah and probably so, lower I mean, than eighth grade. that's yep. the vast majority of people that are out there unfortunately and i'm not trying to speak as some kind of elitist or something i'm not i mean yeah i mean yep. i'm just somebody that's on the path that's put that says putting in some work you know but uh trying to expand my awareness i mean that's the only addiction i have is to expanding my awareness you know no matter how yeah. uncomfortable it is and so um but the vast majority of people and it just keeps getting worse every year. The more and more technology you have out, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all that stuff, uh, it's all cotton candy, you know. And so they're, they're all trying to run away from from that growth. And um, and they don't build up the antibodies, and then they get smacked upside the head by something in life. And then, you know, there's, they hit the bottle, hit the pills, have an affair, eat too much, smoke, alcohol, whatever and or kill themselves you know because they don't have the, the toolbox the antibodies to deal with that life crisis you know i want to hit something if you, i could for a second a little while back we were talking about crazy gap one of the things 
and it's it's one of the hardest things and i still don't have it mastered i i still have to practice it daily but the book power of now cartoli uh, and he talks about the pain gap and things but one of the things he talks about in there is whenever something happens to you good or bad number one try not to label it good or bad but <laughs> i take the labeling out because that takes a lot of the once, once you label something, the emotion kicks in. So if you can just not label it and just deal with it, just accept it. But he says, if you can accept what has happened as if you have chosen it to happen, it short circuits the crazy gap. So, you know, Abednego had a deer. Unfortunately, Bambi ran out in front of him here a few weeks ago. And he could have taken that into a major story, you know. He can say, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. Or he can say, hey, honey, we're getting a new car. You know, there's two ways oh, to do that. Yeah. And so there's different ways. I mean, he could still be sitting there upset about this, this deer. Or, hey, honey, we're getting, nobody died. We're getting a new car, you know. And so if you can choose, it's, it's, it's a tough one, but it does short-circuit it. When you're in a crazy gap, whatever has happened to you, if you can, if you can accept it, Total unconditional acceptance as if you've chosen it to happen. Because I know this is going to teach me a lesson. There's going to be something. There's going to be something of value that comes out of this. You can get to that quickly. It short circuits the crazy gap and it automatically puts your brain into solution finding. I've studied the power of now for probably 19 years. Found it during a dark, dark time in my life. And my version of that is so marked up and inked up and Paper is like Kleenex in there now, but there's not a there's not a week goes by that I don't I don't grab that book. It's always by my, my bedside, and but a lot of it's full of teachings like that. But that's one of them. Unfortunately, I was able to meet El Cartoli back in 03 in Chicago at a, at a meeting. But um, this is a really genuine dude. Uh, people people may have seen him on Oprah. She did a series with him. But uh, anyway, um, that's tough because something happens, you know. Archie, you know, Abednego had this situation this year, health-wise, you know. It's as if you've chosen it, you know, accept it as if you've chosen it to happen. That's a tough one. You know, that's one thing was, you know, get a leak in the roof. Okay, I'm going to choose, you know, I'm going to short-circuit that. But when you have health stuff happen or something, you know, you lose your job or something visceral kicks you, uh, it's it's tough to do that. But what, what if you go down a little bit further, what's that, what that saying is, Accept total responsibility for your life, everything in it. Now, if you take that, that goes back to Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn, all the top, uh, Earl Nightingale, Napoleon Hill, all the top self-help development people in history of this country, all the brilliant minds, all the classic books. Um, their thing is take total unconditional responsibility for your life. If somebody shoves you out in the mud, well, you were standing close enough to the mud to be shoved, number one. Number two, it's your responsibility to get out of that mud. You know, so take total unconditional responsibility for everything in your life. Everything. The relationship you're in, the money you make, the size of your waistline, uh, you know, you got a, a PSA test, whatever. You, obviously, you didn't do anything, but, but you're, you're responsible for how you respond. You're totally responsible for how you respond. And so uh, the teaching in power now there is basically saying, choose whatever, accept whatever happens to you as if you chose that issue to happen. Well, that's just a different way of saying accept, accept total unconditional responsibility for everything in your life.
And when you do that, I talked about it last time about external locus of control and internal locus of control. When you, when you accept everything as if you've chosen it to happen, or another way of saying, if you accept total responsibility for everything in your life, good or bad, then that gives you that internal locus of control. And now you feel safer. You feel as different energy. You feel hope. You feel a motivation to move forward, to get out of the mud. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I put this thing up on the board, TUA, Total Unconditional Acceptance. That's that's one of the acronyms. We've come up with a lot of acronyms, and you're learning those as you go along in this series. It's a tough deal because I think most of the time, Ragnar, right? Well, I know most of the time, okay? This isn't taught anywhere, okay? What we, what we do instead, we teach all these kids while they're in the program period, you know, seven years, maybe up to second, third grade. We teach them, figure out who to blame, figure out who to hate. Okay, who's the boogeyman? Somebody made you. And we turn, we, we have a whole, what we have now, Abednego, is we have a whole society of victims, of martyrs, okay, of people who have this mindset, Ragnar. Oh, I don't know. I can't help it, man. I, I, you know, I'm poor. How many times? That's the biggest boogeyman out there, okay? Or my birth. Man, I was born in the wrong family. I was born in the wrong place. I, I just, 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 nothing can happen in the cities, or nothing can happen in the rural. Or nothing can happen in the cold. Or not, and it just goes on and on. Okay, So we've turned everything into a boogeyman. And we've turned everything into an excuse. So all over this country, this is, and the sad deal, this is not how this country was developed. Okay, And there's people fighting over that right now all over the country. I'm not going to get into all that deal. We went to the moon. Surely we didn't take the moon from anybody. All right. Surely there's nobody living at the South Pole. Surely no one's living on top of Mount Everest. We took all these places. We conquered all these places. So in our country today where it's hard to talk about, we took this land, we conquered this, everyone wants to be a victim somehow. Oh, somebody took our land. Oh, somebody made their money on all the people. We didn't make any money on anybody going down to South America or South Africa or, or uh, Antarctica and going up to Everest and going to the moon. These were things that we conquered and we took over somehow. Okay, because we didn't want to deal with excuses and we went out and we did all this stuff. Now, people died along the way or maybe a rocket ship didn't get off the launching pad or whatever it is. When you talk about this, Ragnar, total unconditional acceptance, it's very hard to teach that to a person who's a little bit older after they've been programmed to be victims. Okay, so if you come from smaller schools, oh, we, can, we don't have a chance out here. Nobody likes this. This is terrible. When you come from a bigger school, they have their built in stuff, too. Okay. Well, the bigger school it's not, is not it. it's not riding a bike. I mean, I, I still study that book weekly and yeah. I and I, I, I virtually have that book memorized, but I study yeah. it weekly because it's it's one of the most functional I've told you many times that if, if I was on a, a deserted island and I could take, you know, I had a choice of a couple of books, that would be one of them. Uh because for me it's just been such a functional book. Um and everything I've applied from that book as work, not just for me, but for people that I've seen that have been in need. Uh, you yourself, when you came up after a tragedy in your life um, six years ago, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, we had dinner and walked you right across the street to the bookstore and I went and I grabbed that book. Yeah. And, and I gave it to you. And so that, 
because I knew there was a crazy gap there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that your, your subconscious computer was trying to find an answer, trying to find that missing puzzle piece, trying to go back in time, trying to go back in time, trying to go back in time. Your, your subconscious is trying to cooking on that. Yeah. And a form of PTSD. And, and, and the only cure for the missing puzzle piece is to, is to accept total unconditional acceptance that the piece is missing. Yeah. And so yes. that's what that book goes over really well. I think. It's a really um, valuable lesson at that time. And, and it still is. I still have that book. I still got your name in it. I wrote it in there. What was happening, you know, and when, when you have a uh, tragedy in your life, like we did at the time. Okay. When you lose your two parents in an accident here, um, this was a major crazy gap and you're right. You run around. Um, I'm going to tee that up for you a bit ago on missing piece. It's been such a, and let me go back here real quick. This, this page here is blank. You guys can see this. We're going to put our top tips on here. I don't, I don't, again, we're, we're about functional side here. I don't want to leave and just sign off and say it's time to go. So we're going to put in here six to seven, eight things. We're going to come back to it on page nine. It's blank for now, but we're going to come back. Um, Abednego, this missing piece thing, okay, is something we've developed, and all of our guys know what this is. Um, Ragnar, I'm going to come back to you if you can take a note on this about what it means to, um, you talked about emotional tug of war. When, when Abednego is done with missing piece, I want you to go back in. Don't pick up the rope. Don't play emotional tug of war with these people. Just drop the rope. Drop the rope concept. Um, Ragnar, I want you to go to drop the rope after uh, Abednego. Get a setup here. I'm going to keep taking notes. We'll get a setup on missing piece and, and what that's meant for our guys. You know, I think. I think we've all probably put a puzzle together at some point. So maybe you have a two, three hundred, four or five hundred piece puzzle and you put some serious time into putting it together and then you're you end up one piece short and maybe it got on the floor and somebody swept it up in the sweeper and it's it's just gone. And you've got the puzzle done, but it's it's not completed, it's missing. It's missing one piece and your mind will go crazy trying to figure out where that piece is. You'll turn the house upside down. You'll look in the couch cushions. You'll look in the pockets and you'll go back to those things over and over and over thinking that you're going to find that piece. And it just becomes this all consuming thing where that's really, it is taking up all this Ram, uh, in your mind. You know, I've, I've had that with, uh, had a really special a buck knife. It was one of those really little uh, knives, but it was just easy to put in your pocket and, you know, pretty much go wherever you want to go. And uh, it, it had some sentimental value to me and I, I lost it somewhere. And I can't tell you how many times I went back to the same pants, to the same shorts, to the, all the same places, same drawers over and over thinking, okay, wait, I think, I think my mind has figured this out because your mind will continually go until it figures it out. And if it doesn't figure it out, if, if you can't somehow take care of that missing piece, then your mind just can't let it go because your mind has to figure it out. It has to come to some kind of conclusion, some kind of, it has to fix it. And, uh, and so, you know, how I fixed the knife thing is I just went and bought another one and, and that fixed it, you know, and I don't, I don't think about where that other knife is. You know, if I found it, it'd be great, but, 
I, it's, it's not consuming my mind anymore. I'm not trying to find a solution on it. That was the solution. Just go buy another one. Um, but, you know, we can't do that for every single thing, but it, it can be all consuming. You know, it's a tough deal because I think, you know, a bit ago, that's okay. I go buy another $40, $50 buck knife or 20 whatever, okay? But, man, if it's you lost a life, you lost a relationship, something yeah. happened that ended, that is a, and now you have a terminal ending on this deal. Or uh, Listen, man, you can't – I don't know. You cannot put Humpty Dumpty back together again on these pieces the painful, The painful loop on that, which is maddening, and it's a form of insanity, is your brain is trying to take you back in a time machine so that you can do something differently to alter what happened. That's kind of what your brain, if you think about it, whether it's a breakup or a, an accidental death or something, your, your brain is trying to get you in a time machine and take you back. If I just think about it a little bit more, maybe I can alter what had already happened. And, and that's where the insanity comes from. And so you need to have total unconditional acceptance of, of what is. What is. You know, this, you don't have to like it and try not to label it because once you start labeling it, your emotions get involved and then your thinking is not objective anymore. You're thinking subjective. And it's really hard when, when you get smacked in the face like that, not to, not to start labeling things good and bad. But the more you label things good and bad, you're going to invoke your emotions. The more you invoke your emotions, the less of a critical thinker you are and the less objective you are. It goes back to the, the uh, five C's of, of uh, alpha communication or Christ communication of being centered. The way you're being centered goes back to the three knobs. So all this stuff ties together because once you get smacked in the face with, with an event like that, whether it's a health scare or a death or something emergency, lose a job. As soon as you start creating that story and labeling that, there goes the emotional uh, waterfall. You know, the domino effect is going and, and that's a slippery slope once it gets going. So the best to stop that in the beginning. One of the things that, that I've done in the past when I try to reprogram and get some of this in my head to stick is I've had a rubber band around my wrist. And so whenever I feel that, feel that uh, emotional slippery slope kicking in, that, that domino hitting over, I, I'll, I'll, I'll look at that and I'll snap that rubber band and, on my wrist and it pulls me out of that state and gets me into a more resourceful state. And, you know, I've used that off and on and I've, I've taught that to many people. Um, Anytime you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, you know, have a rubber band there. You didn't have to snap it. You just see that rubber band 500 times a day. And every time you see that, it reminds you of the healthier physique you want. And so that it makes, it makes your unconscious eating habits conscious, more mindful. So you can use it for anything. But, um, but that's the best way to, to help kind of change that state. You have to increase your awareness. And the best way, you can't increase your awareness if you're just walking around in a subconscious haze all day, an unconscious haze. And so something like a rubber band, things like that help you writing down, writing down affirmations every day, um, little, little notes on the, on the bathroom mirror, refrigerator, maybe in your car, things like this, just to bring it back to your consciousness, bring it back to your consciousness. So eventually it sticks there. And then that's when the new behavior will happen. Hey, Ragnar, go back to the other topic at, uh, I told you to cover there. If you can get that and uh, pick up that real quick. War. Yeah, go ahead on that one, and um, we're going to finish up here in a minute. But go ahead. I want to. There's a couple more I still want to get to. Go ahead. Well, I kind of touched a minute ago. You know, I told you the story about that that teacher getting getting 
chewed out basically by someone and his, and his student seeing it and, and the student coming up and saying, you didn't respond at all. You should have given him a piece of your mind. And he said, like I said, he said, you know, if, if someone offers you a gift, and you don't accept it. Who does it belong to? Now that's an easy one to talk about. It's a great little philosophical story. It's, it's hard to do when somebody's in your face um, because your fight or flight kicks in, your fight or flight kicks in. And so it's hard to do that. But again, how is that teacher that's taking that butt chew and able to do that because a he's, he's changed his focus B he's got a different story he's telling him in his head and C he's belly breathing. He's doing it. So that, that, that teacher in that scenario, now his student that watched it go down was not in control of history knobs because he wanted to go over there and jump on that guy that was verbally assaulting his teacher. But the teacher had complete control of his three knobs. He focused on something in, in a way that didn't get him upset. He focused on this is this guy's problem, not my problem. He told himself a story about that. This guy must be really having a tough day. He must be carrying a heavy load to be upset with me like this. You know, so he had compassion coming through him. And then he's belly breathing nice and slow and had his shoulders back and, and just kept a relaxed posture and breathing nice and slow through his belly to keep his adrenals down and keep his cortisol down. And so he had three... You know, in this story, when it came out, it's a spiritual story. It's an old story. And that story is probably, you know, a thousand years old. But he had three knob controls. That's how he maintained it. I mean, we look at, we look at, you know, Jesus, you know, when he, what, you know, God was, his, his father was not backing him up. You know, he's going through the, the streets. You know, he's getting beaten, you know, carrying the cross and all this stuff. You know, he had three knobs there. You know, he, he what did he focus on? Forgive them, Father, for they don't know not what they do. He's still coming. He, that was what he focused on. You know, he still had compassion. And the second thing, you know, what story was he telling himself? These people just—they still are just—they're just sheep. They—they they, don't—they don't—they need a leader. They, they just don't know what they're doing. They, they still—if they knew better, they would do better. I mean, it's the same story still going. You know, and then he's sitting there getting spears stuck in him and stuff like that. You know, he's. He still, he, he, he gathers himself, comes back, his physiology's back in control again. He's going into shock, you know, but he's back in, he gets himself back together enough where he can, you know, he's starting to, he still talk to God, you know, things like that. So three knobs, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just there. And it's like, like Abednego said, it works in many different areas. Um, but you got to get control of that. And so like the total unconditional acceptance is just getting control of that story as fast as you can. Now, some people are going to try to hold you because most people are walking around. Henry David Thoreau said in the 1850s, most men live lives of quiet desperation. Well, it's a heck of a lot worse now because modern society is a lot str more stressful, uh, a lot more stimulus coming in now than it was in the 1850s. That, that life was hard back then, but it was simple. You went to bed with the sun. You woke up with the rooster, milked some cows. You know, you didn't have antibiotics, things like that. But, you know, it was a simple, you went to bed. I mean, at, at dark, it was, it was a simpler life. It was hard, but it was simple. And so now you got all kinds of technology and things like that. So people are trying to hand you rope, tug of war ropes all day long. You click on the news, you see a headline on there that you don't like. There's a rope being handed to you. You get a thing that comes across Facebook, rope. Somebody honks at you in traffic. There's another rope. You know, you get to work and something didn't turn out right at work. There's a rope. You know, your, your paycheck was supposed to get automatically sent to the bank, and now it didn't. There's a rope. You get furloughed for two months because of the Rona. There's your rope. So you're getting handed ropes all day long. It's your choice to not accept that, to be just like that teacher was who didn't accept that 
argumentative person in his face. It's your choice. Now, it's hard to do that. If it was easy, it would be naturally done and everybody would do it. And it's something I, that I feel has to be maintained. I've been working on this for 20 some years and, you know, I'm a lot better at it than I was a year ago and I'm a much better than I was 20 years ago. And that I know I'll be better at next year than I am this year. So it's not riding a bike. It's, it's a skill set that has to be maintained. But when those people, we have this tendency that we feel because we're, we're so, which goes back to the six people that carry the, the pallbearers uh, crusader. We talked about earlier, we kind of bring it all back to the home. The six people that carry your coffin are carrying that coffin because they have been vetted. They have shown value. They have had your back. And there's been a mutual love there. Anybody beyond people that have been qualified like that, that tries to hand you a rope, you should not have that tug in your heart to grab that rope. That should not even emotionally have a tug there. Only people that you should grab a rope from are somebody that has been qualified by you through vetting that they have proven themselves through actions and deed to have your back and your best interest and be a brother or sister in arms. Those people hand you a rope then you need to stop and think about that and, and, and should, I, should I or should I not grab that rope? Why are they handing me the rope? And spend some time cultivating that and trying to understand that. But anybody outside that circle of people that tries to hand you a rope, it shouldn't take you more than half a second to, to discard that rope because they, they haven't earned the right uh, to have you touch that rope. And that's hard to do. All these things, especially if you've been programmed to be a people pleaser your whole life, that kind of thing, that's really hard to bolt on. And that's where it goes back. It's good to have a group of people around you, that kind of thing. It takes a super strong person to be able to acquire these traits by themselves just by reading a book or YouTube or whatever. You know, you need to support group. You got to have a few people, like-minded people that are kind of working on this together, kind of like we're doing here to do that. Does that make sense? Ragnar, here, here's the funny thing about all that. And I just, this is such a powerful concept for us, really. It's, it's very similar, you know, when we talk top five. Uh, we could expand that easily and we wouldn't hurt anybody, you know, um, eternally or any other way if we said top six. Um, and doggone it anyway, if the coffins didn't just have five handles, so we could just make it our top five rule. But <clears throat> they have six. I don't know. However, okay. But, you know, it's the same issue on this Abednego that you talked about today. Um, look, your Paula Bears you cannot be giving these people all kinds of votes on this. Now it comes back to the guys on this because how many of these guys are out here trying to find bullets or a rope and in their life, when you get to the bottom of it, it's the same. There's a girl at the bottom of it somewhere. It's either sex or shame on Jayhawk issues, suicide issues. We're going to go into that another day, but they have turned over the vote. They've given veto power. All right, to somebody who doesn't deserve it. That person, whoever they're all up in arms about, I promise you, is not going to be there at the end of the day carrying their coffin out of the church or wherever their funeral home. Okay. And so one of these things that I'm going to go back to um, is this item, this picture we keep putting up on here about Calvary and Jesus on here, Golgotha. Okay. The place of the skull. Can you imagine being hung up on this after you – first of all, he was whipped in the courtyard. All his buddies ran away. They forced this cross on him. He's got to drag that through all of Jerusalem. They shoved this cross – this this crown of thorns down on his head. Then they put him up on here. Then they start stabbing him with a spear. Look, all he's thinking about 
is this concept right here, and it's powerful, one that we've used over and over, ABC. ABC, always be closing, okay? There's always someone right in front of you who needs you. Always be closing. So he turned to one guy and tried to talk to him about something. The guy spit on him and swore at him and whatever. He turned to the other guy, the other criminal. By the way, all three of them are up on crosses, ready to die. And all he can think about, yep, his father-in-law, his father left him. His mother's down here humiliated. His cousin John is on the ground in a mess. And he says, look, man, can you take care of mama? You know, that's his last thoughts, okay? And this criminal shows up, always be closing. And he's trying to worry about his eternal soul. Like he, like Jesus didn't have enough of his own problems. Guys, but, but, go, hear him all this. go ahead. Crusader, the one guy on the cross was not coachable. He was. He's out. He's, he's out. like he's like he's like grandma that had the negative attitude. And so so Christ moved on. Yep. He found out a guy wasn't coachable. Did he spend more time working with the guy? Yeah. Wished him well. He went to the next guy. Right. Yep. He wasn't coachable. Yep. yep. Now he's not worried right. about his you know, listen, Ragnar, he's not worried about his twelve buddies who hit the road. Okay. They're done. He's worried about the guy right in front of him he can deal with. All his other buddies, they all they're out. They're they're gone. So always be closing you know it's one of these things we talk about who's in front of you who can you work with if they're not coachable you move on if you can't close them there's nothing you can do you worry about you you change you that's all that's all you can do on this deal okay you change you don't worry about all these other people okay especially in all kinds of relationships and people you don't even know so i know we have gone guys man we have hit i mean this is a master class in head trip right here there's a total mind job, all this stuff. And what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to take our top couple each. We're going to go around the horn. Each of us put something here, and we're going to go around again. There's a lot of principles here, okay? I've got a blank screen here. When we're done, this better be crammed full of stuff, all right? And so I am going to put one up here. What are we going to do Monday morning? What can help Monday morning? Wow, you know. I guess it's cheating if I'm first, but there's so many things on here that we can do. Um, if I had to look at everything and I had to try to figure out what is our, <laughs> one of the things I do, I just say, listen, crazy gap stuff. Okay. Get a handle on this concept. Start diving into this, working on yourself. Crazy gap. Okay. I'm going to say this, know it, learn it. Okay, know it, learn it, do it. And this will help you know it, learn it, do it. Um, this will help you in so many ways um, that you cannot imagine. But this can help you with family, relationship, marriage, work. You'll see crazy gap stuff come up. Work, church, friends, whatever, everywhere. Okay. And if we go around now, as far as Ragnar, couple, give me one. I think the biggest thing to help you with the focus, it was especially the, the story part, because sometimes the focus hits you. You're focusing on the negative before you before you even realize it. Kind of especially if it's a habit, and with all the stimulus that comes in. But I think trying not to label a situation. You know, you spill a glass of milk. The glass of milk spilled. Period. Try not to label. Because as soon as you label, you have emotional engagement. And as soon as you have emotional engagement, you start going down the rabbit hole. And so I really think as far as the three knobs, 
try to try to change your focus. But sometimes initially while you're trying to develop the habit of the three knobs, focus, you're going to blow by focus before you realize what's happening. You're already going to, the little internal self-talk is, oh my God, I can't believe she just did that. All right, whatever, the traffic jam or the big boss or whatever. It's going to start before you realize it until you build that awareness muscle. So I think initially the best way to control the story is just not to label it good or bad. Just, it's just stay, keep it neutral, keep it neutral. And as long as you can do that, you'll maintain a more resourceful state. And then once you've maintained that resourceful state, you can go back to the first knob of focus and then start changing your focus. I mean, I've just, I've been working on this for about 20 some years myself. And sometimes initially, especially focus, you blow past that first knob and you have to go back and kind of retro that knob in because it just goes so quickly. Sounds good. And that, try not to label things. That, that's, uh, I'm going to cheat and put that in uh, three knobs. That'll bring us up on that. Um, Bednego, what do you got for us here, buddy? I think for me, um, great Monday morning stuff and stuff that probably helped me the most of anything was the whole concept of you change you. Um, you know, for me, uh, growing up and it, especially in my marriage, you know, for gosh, better than 15 years, I blamed her, you know, everything was her problem and everything was her fault. And, you know, when I would, I would pray and go, God, you changed her, you know, um, she needs to change. And when, uh, we got on this concept of taking that responsibility on yourself to change yourself, um, to grow, um, in all these different ways to grow mentally and spiritually and relationally and physically. And those are, those are ways that Jesus grew and from Luke two fifty two, And when you take that responsibility on yourself to do that, then what happens is the people that you care about calibrate to you. Um, you raise the average of that group that you're hanging around with. And so you pull them uh, closer to where you're at. And so, um, you know, that's what I did. Gosh, I was miserable for, probably 15 years of marriage, um, you know, and that was my constant prayer. God change her, God change her, God change her. And when I got smacked up the side of the head with this, you change you. And it just made sense. It's like, yeah, you know, I just, I need to work on me. And, and that's when everything really turned around. She calibrated to me and things are so much better. So that's, that's been a huge concept for me, for sure. You change you is uh, that has been a life changing thing, okay, for all of our group. It, when when you understand, it's always be closing. It's everything wrapped up. When you understand, you really, I can't change another person. I can't get in their head. I can't rewire. I can't listen. I didn't raise them since they were seven, and even the ones that we raised for the first seven years, we probably screwed them up somewhere too. So you know, all, all you can really try to work as you change you. Uh, one of the things I've got to put, uh, I'll put on mine is this concept here about flipping switches. That is all head trip stuff. This is all about um, trying to figure out here how to raise state of everybody around you. Okay. Everybody around here, you're trying to do this. So on this class number five, again, seven golden rings, class number five, maintain emotional strength this again is head trip stuff that's one of the biggest 
simple things we can do, and it's easy, it's cheap. You can do it to everybody. You can just set a goal, okay? Start flipping switches, everyone around you. Again, we mentioned this in another podcast, but the, the concept is, look, the 30-second version is that everyone's walking around with their light switch in the down position. So, again, whoever's right in front of you, always be closing. Who's right in front of you? Make sure with an enthusiastic hello, a hug, you know, a story, a laugh. So they're going to leave you in a better state. It's, again, outside game, okay? But and so it's cheap. It doesn't cost anything. You don't have to go buy everybody gifts. You can pick up a phone and call a number. Dial three numbers every day. Whoever's in front of you, you flip switches, right? Flip switches. I'm going to say flipping switches. And it's something we've all embraced, but it means, look, raising states of everyone around you, okay? And I think this is something that all of us love. This is one of the most fun things we can do. Uh, raising states of all. I'm just going to say that. Because and it's impossible to raise someone else's state without raising your own. That's right. And so it's a twofer. It's a two. It's a plus two concept. Okay, we've got a couple plus two concepts that we go back to. There's one of them. You raise someone's state, you raise your state. The other plus two, well, the, the, the one I think of right now is that you need to have like plus two with a Sharpie on your forehead. Okay, because every girl out there wants somebody who's plus two above them. So this plus two thing, we're going to do another program on that. Plus two is a standalone item that we're going to do, and we're going to develop that. Flipping switches is where I'm going to leave that. Um, Ragnar, what do you got on yours, buddy? Well, I think, you know, we got into the situation a minute ago about the thorn, and I think it's really important. It's painful but initially, but pretty much everybody's got a thorn out there, and I think it's just important to decide, are you going to try to completely alter your entire environment the rest of your life to not touch that thorn or are you going to make the decision to remove the thorn and and it, it takes courage to do that but you know and also look back at your life whether it was a bad breakup a, a, an affair something that really just crushed you mentally and emotionally spiritually back in the day and just if you can be brave enough to look back at that event and see how much of your life you have altered as a result of that event Maybe you're not dating anymore. Maybe you're not dating a certain type of person. Maybe maybe you're afraid to go get a certain type of job. You're just kind of hindering your career or whatever. Uh, there's a self-image issue now because of this thorn. And just think about how much life has been altered to the point since, since the time the thorn was placed in your arm. And then are you willing to do that moving forward? You know, we're only on this rock for a certain amount of time. And are you willing to still keep that thorn affecting every bit of your life moving forward? Or are you going to have the courage to remove that thorn. Yeah, I think that's a, that's just a really, it's a, it's a tough deal on this thorn because it's, it's, it's now as far as what did that, what did that lesson cost? Okay. Well, no, no, it's free. You told me that here on this broadcast twice in 30 minutes. Okay. I mean, this, so this shouldn't, this shouldn't be an, a, a deal here where we're really struggling around, you know, to get this thing. Uh, but, but I think what happens we think everything has to be some expensive psychotherapy drug, some weird, you know. So when I put that down on there, Ragnar, deal with your thorn. Is that good on that one? Is that going to clear me on this deal? Yep. Okay. And um, so when we go back here, we got one more left here. Abednego, what do you got on that, buddy? Mine would be pretty similar in just to accept your reality. 
um, whatever that reality is. You know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, you know, I could either pretend like it didn't exist or I could accept the reality. And once you accept the reality, you can go about fixing it. You can go about um, repairing, go about finding ways to, to, uh, to deal with that. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think to accept, accept the reality of your situation and, and move on, you know, and, and I think Jesus was really big with this in that when he sent out his disciples and he sent them out and, and one time and he said, listen, here's what you do. You go into the town, tell them about me, preach the truth. If they accept your message, go in, enjoy their fellowship. Uh, enjoy their hospitality. If they don't accept the message, shake the dust off your feet and move on. You know, and that really was a lesson in accepting the reality of the situation. If people are going to be open to your message, then you spend time with them. If not, shake the dust off your feet, move on down the road. And and so you know that concept of accept that reality. Um, I think is another huge concept that if we can do that. Um, we'll be a lot better off for it. Well, he's and Jesus was pre-qualifying these people. Mm. I mean, don't invest a lot of time unless they've shown that that they deserve that time. You know, he was pre-qualifying. He was vetting these people. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think yeah. I think where Christians really mess up sometimes is they keep hammering somebody who you know maybe they just want it. They just don't want the message. They they don't want it. They don't want to change. Maybe. Uh, it's the whole, we're trying to help somebody who just wants to be the victim and they never want to get better and they want to be the victim and they thrive on being the victim. And we're just beating our head against the wall, trying to help them. It doesn't do any good. Go and to the Jesus people who word, want to be Jesus helped. Jesus words just dust off your feet and move on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I don't think that's, I don't think that's magnified enough. <laughs> that little teaching right there, you know? Because probably, like, what, what, probably what, what, not. Because, it, go ahead. It seems unloving to say, "Hey, listen, just forget about that person and move on." That seems unloving. But the thing is, you're spending all your time with that person who doesn't want it, and the next person wants it, and they're yeah. ready to hear it, and yeah. they're ready to receive it and to apply it. But you can't get to them because you're still dealing with this one person day after day after day who doesn't want it. And so, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's because it seems unloving. We just want to keep hammering this one person, but sometimes well, you got to shake the dust off your feet and move on. Like the, like the, the, the famous philosopher that just passed away a few months ago, Kenny Rogers said, you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. <laughs> you know, listen, um, Ragnar, one of the books that we read early on, you know, in our pursuit of stuff, I mean, it goes way back, but that Cialdini book, Okay, about yeah. reciprocity. Yes. If they're if they're not showing reciprocity, if they're not receptive, if they're not going to receive you, right? That's a big. That's a big one with, with. I would say friendships and women, but especially yeah. when you're wedding women. If, if yeah. there's not a reciprocity going on there, then she's not seeing you as the as the as the alpha uh, hypergamic uh, peak for her. Yeah. Well, she not she's certainly not seeing you as a solution for her. Whatever her, if she's not, if you're, if you're not only the one, if you're driving to Tennessee and she's not driving to Indy, yep, then that's not reciprocity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's got to, she's got to work through crawling over glass to get to you and jumping over hurdles. 
somewhere along the and way. And, 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 yeah. and she won't admit that, but that's what unconsciously, that's what she wants because she wants a high value guy that doesn't just roll over. Yeah. I mean, we, I know we have a lot of fun with this stuff, but that's another thing. You know, underwater boarding, she wouldn't, she wouldn't admit this. Okay. I mean, you'd have to get some weird truth serum, come out of the lab with some truth serum to get someone, but that's the kind of guy that every girl wants. They want someone they have to compete for. They don't want the easy thing. What was that crazy movie in the eighties? The, the sure thing, right? Some crazy teen pom, yeah. prom. Prom. There you go. There you go. The sure thing. Look, I would tell you this. I don't care what anybody says. No girl wants the sure thing. And no guy wants the sure thing. Okay. There's gotta be some competition anxiety. There's gotta be a thing here. I don't, man, I don't want to get this whole thing derailed because we're really on head trip. It's all part of that. Okay. Any, now before I close this, I've got six items on the board here. Anybody see some major thing we got to leave off. I know they're all in our notes. This whole thing is crammed with stuff all over the place. I'm just so glad people stayed with us this whole time. Uh, Ragnar, Abednego, anything uh, we need to just add on. Got the bonus items if you want. I mean, I would I say, think, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Vindigo. I, I, well, for me, I would say this, um, you know, when, when we talked about uh, the cop-outs and, uh, and that kind of thing, you know, and there are many times that I, that I gave that pat answer of, hey, you know, I'll pray for you, or hey, here's some scripture that you should read, and, and I'll pray for you, and um, I felt unsettled about it. I knew those were good things to do, and those are things that we should do, obviously. Um, but I always felt unsettled about it because I felt like there was more, but I didn't know what it was. And so, you know, I'm glad to have the tools that, that I have today, um, things that are functional, that can help people, like, right in that moment. And, uh, you know, and so... Yeah, that's a, that's it's been a great tool for me. I mean, for me personally, um, to be able to use with other people, um, to give them some tools that they can use, and, and not try to uh, have a, a monkey wrench fit everything, but giving them the proper tools to fix whatever problem they're in. Man, I'll tell you what, that has just elevated um, the success rate of the people that I work with tremendously, and so. You know, the tools are out there. We're giving you guys all kinds of tools. And so please, please look at these, internalize these, apply these. Um, it's a big deal and it's going to help you, but it's going to help other people too. Ragnar, do you have anything? Badeep, badeep, badeep. That's all, folks. Okay. I just want to make sure we got this again. If you, if you, and we do, we do get, we get people contact us during the week, email gmail whatever they've got out there some people text us call us uh you can reach us on email crusader1921 at gmail okay again looking at youtube uh, go ahead and click that uh subscribe button below and like that that'll help us in our ratings and, and get more exposure to reach more people there is a ton i mean this was uh, you know this was a whole master class here here in um just head trip items so I am thankful for you guys uh, for so many things that we talk about all the time. Uh, anybody have any topics to send in, go ahead and send that to us. You can send emails. You can do it however. Uh, we're going to post this on, um, on YouTube here real soon. Uh, any closing thoughts? You guys good? Thumbs up? You good? Thanks. Great.
Thanks, guys. Uh, I'll be in touch. Let me go ahead and save all of these, and uh, we'll save all of that. And uh, so we're we're good. There we go. Uh, I will check with you guys another day. Signing out for the PMC boys. Um, it's uh, been a great day, and Crusader is out. You guys have a great day. Thank you.